thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. It's great to have you here before. If you've never been before or if it's only your sort of first couple of times, you know, we love to worship God because as we worship Him, we fix our eyes on Him and it takes our eyes off the waves sometimes and raises them to Him who is able to help and keep us. And the Bible says the Lord inhabits the praises of His people. So it's important that we uh, spend time just fixing our eyes on Him and worshipping Him this morning. If you were wanting to be part of the welcome team, I should have got Tim and Isabella to give you a wave. Tim and Isabella are going to be coordinating the welcome team. So uh, if you want to be part of that and want to say to them in person, that would be brilliant. Um, and the more, more people, the less you have to do it regularly, so that's good as well. And it's an easy way to serve in the first place. Brill. Okay. At the outset of a company, one of the most important things is the branding, yeah? The branding of the company is quite important. If you've ever watched The Apprentice, you'll see sometimes the failures of branding and how they don't do it very well. But it's that initial stamp of what it is and who you are as a company and what you're going to do, yeah? So branding is important and it's recognisable, it says something. So if I drew a tick in the air, what is that branding? Nike or sure? I was think, waiting for the clever people to go sure, antiperspirant. But Nike, Nike have got a tick, simple tick, that explains that if you buy a piece of clothing, it's made by them. And I suppose their promise with that branding is it should be the, you know, it should be designed perfectly. It should be really comfortable. It should be perfect for sport. What about you know, three stripes on my clothes? I did. Steve's with it this morning, isn't he? Steve's like whoa. Okay, anyone wants a quiz team? Steve's there. An apple with a bite out of it is obvious, isn't it? Apple, okay? You see those things. It's supposed to be the stamp of quality. It runs through their company and tells you who they are and what they do. Or the golden arches. Madonna. Steve, I tell you, Steve's full marks this morning. Well done, Steve. So, Steve either is really a really nutty dresser or a really fast food eater is all I can say. So, oh yeah, both. <laughs> so, yeah. Branding is really important. And last week, Ramin, if you were here last week, Ramin started our new series on AKA God. And AKA means also known as. So like, you know, God to us, we say the word God, but in the Bible, God, his, God has different words for his name that describe his character. So last week, Ramin did Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide, my provider. And he looked at the story of Abraham. If you haven't seen it or haven't heard it, you can still watch it on our YouTube and Facebook or hear it on our podcast. But actually, there are several names that God goes by in the Bible. And the first one is found right at the start. And it's there in big writing behind me, which is Elohim, which means God the creator. God the creator. So we're going to read, to begin with, some verses from Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read a few verses. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm just going to read a few verses. So Genesis chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 1 to 5, verses 26 to 28, and verse 31. 
if you've got the time afterwards, read the whole chapter for yourself. But Genesis chapter 1 says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Verse 31, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. It was very good. I know many of us are familiar with these verses. In fact, if you've ever tried to read the Bible in a year or to read the Bible from cover to cover, you've probably read these verses a lot of times before you've given up in Deuteronomy, some of you. But actually, we're familiar with them, but the beginning is really important. Those first words in Genesis chapter 1 says, in the beginning, God. And we could stop there and think about that for a while. In the beginning, God. Because actually, scientists had to come to the realization for a long time, science said that the the universe was self-created, that the universe was eternal. And in about the 1950s, 1960s, they had to come up and say, actually, that isn't true. There is a beginning to this. Time starts at a certain point, and before that, there's no time. So the, the Bible knew that all along. In the beginning, God. Simple. In the beginning, God created. And the name used here for God is this name, Elohim, which means creator. It also literally translates as strong one. The creator, the strong one. In fact, in chapter 1... So chapter 2 and verse 4 of Genesis, this name for God is used 35 times. So I think that God was trying to say, this is who I am. I am the creator. I am the one that has made everything. In me it holds together. I am the one who was there at the start, I'm there at the end, and I'm there all the way through. And I have created, I have made In the Old Testament, this word for God, Elohim, is used over two and a half thousand times. So I think God is trying to say something. He's saying, this is who I am. This is what I've done, and it's what I've done for you. So it must be important to who God is and what he does. And there's maybe most of us in this room today and watching online, you may have no problem dealing with the fact that God created. You may have no problem with that. Some of you might have been dragged along and think, well, I'm not sure about that. Some of, you might, some of you might think that science and God don't go together. Actually, that's not correct. I told you before, I've got a chemistry degree, so there must be some element in it. Science and God don't disagree, but God is not just a creator. He is the creator. That is what this name means, the creator. Not just a, not just one of many, but the creator. This account of Genesis, it needs to be recognized, isn't a science textbook. It was written, we think it was written by Moses. 
And it was written from the lens of faith and through the lens of God before they knew the science that we knew today. But it doesn't get the order of things wrong. And actually, it's written as a poem. It's not a textbook of how the electrons moved into place or how the particles were formed. It's not all those things. I'm getting a warning message saying stop moving forwards and backwards. I'll tell you. That's on the screen up there. You can't see it, but I'm going to tell you. So anyway. This account of Genesis, I'll just move side to side instead. This account of Genesis just tells us the who. It tells us the who. Some of you look really excited by this. The who is really important. If I asked Shirley and said to Shirley at three o'clock, I've used this illustration before, but bear with me if you've heard me. If I said to Shirley, go and stand in front of Barrow's Town Hall door at three o'clock tomorrow morning, I would say she probably wouldn't, but actually, Shirley would do anything. She got a scam email for, from somebody purporting to be me, asking for, was it about 50 pounds or 100 pounds? 100 pounds of Amazon vouchers. I desperately needed 100 pounds of Amazon vouchers. So what did Shirley do? She went and bought 100 pounds of Amazon vouchers, and then she realized it wasn't for me. So if anyone wants Amazon vouchers, Shirley's the one to email. <laughs> Shirley at, no. <laughs> So actually, that illustration doesn't work. So I'm going to use Donna, not that Donna, Donna, I should have warned you about this, but it's okay, you'll be okay. If I said to Donna, go and stand in front of the town hall at three o'clock in the morning, would you do it? It depends. <laughs> but if I just said that, would you do it? Probably not, in reality. If I just said, Donna, tomorrow morning, three o'clock, town hall, you wouldn't do it. You would, because you'd do anything, that's right. <laughs> I did think this through when I thought, actually, that makes it think that Donna wouldn't do anything like Shirley would, but I won't, I'm not using that as an illustration. What I'm saying is Shirley would do anything. You know, you know, if anyone wants to send them an email saying that they've got a bank account ready for her to open, then Shirley's the one to contact. But it would be a bit daft to do it. I think if I'd said to Ros, would you stand in front of the town hall at 3 o'clock in the morning, she'd be like, on your bike, I'm going to sleep. Okay, I can use Ros, but I'm going to go back to Donna because I know what Donna likes. I know that Ros likes as well, but Ros still wouldn't go at three o'clock in the morning, no matter what it was. Am I right? Yeah, I thought so. Unless I was in danger. I'm going to stop digging myself a hole. <laughs> I've explained the where and the when. I've explained the place. I've explained the time. But that actually isn't that important, is it? Is it? If I said to Donna that at three o'clock in the morning outside Barrowtown Hall, Barbara Streisand was going to pull up in a stretch limousine and whisk her off to a luxury island in the Bahamas where she'll provide a private concert every evening. Would you be there then? Yeah, no hesitation. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't think there's any person other than if I said to Ros, I'll be there. <laughs> but then she'd be like, no, you won't, because you'll be snoring next to me, so it's fine. But actually, she would be there. Why? Because I've told her the who and the why. I've told her the who and the why. And that's what Genesis, the creator God, tells us. It tells us the who. God created. He's the one who made it. And why? He made it to be very good for us. He made it to lavish his love on us. That's important, isn't it? I don't care really when it happened, or I don't care really where it happened. What I do care about is the who and the why. And that is what God the creator is telling us at the beginning of the very, very beginning of the Bible. God created the creator. 
And he did it for us. So, the Bible tells us that. God, the creator, made it all good. And he also made it from nothing. There's a word, ex nihilo, I think it is, which means out of nothing. That is a word that is used to describe what God did. Out of nothing. Elohim. Here's another important factor about that word on the screen. The ending of the word means it's plural. The I-M, the Im, means it's more than one. For example, you know that a cherub is an angel. You know, Ros might say to me later after I've talked, you know, oh, my little cherub. You know, she won't. But cherubim is more than one angel, yeah? A seraph is another type of angelic messenger. That's one, but the seraphim is more than one. So that means when we see this name for God, Elohim, it means more than. It means more than. We have more than one element. Not only is God the Father and the Creator, but he is more than one. Look at verse 2 in Genesis chapter 1. And the Spirit of God hovered over the deep. Let me just go back to my Bible. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So in the beginning, God, the Creator, and then the Spirit of God. So that's two parts. And then actually, if we jump into the New Testament... And John chapter 1, verse 1, it starts with these words. <laughs> I'm now getting a message to move backwards. Is that better? Thank you. Okay, because I've moved the chairs. I'm, not, I'm lost now with where I'm supposed to be. John chapter 1, verse 1 says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And what does it go on to talk about? It talks about the Word being Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the word of life. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Elohim, creator God, spirit hovering over the deep, and Jesus was there. Father, Son, and Spirit. God in three persons. That's why it says, Im, Elohim, more than one. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 17 says this, the Son, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And hear this, for in him, that's Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, in the beginning, God, Elohim, creator, father, Spirit, Son. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So Jesus was involved from the very beginning. He's not just New Testament to, to listen to. He is there in the beginning, before anything else. Kids in school used to ask me when I went into school, they used to say, so who made God? That's the question that they think defeats everything. But actually, that question has only got two answers. You either have to believe that stuff has always existed or you believe that God has always existed. It's got to be one or the other. And actually, science has said stuff hasn't already existed. They know it had a beginning. Therefore, 
there's only one answer. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. God, the creator, right there at the start. Do you know, I'm amazed when I see someone being creative. Are you? Yeah? Okay? There might be, there's some people in this room who are very creative, I'm sure. But actually, people who can reshape bushes to look like an animal. Yeah? Anyone do that? No? No? <laughs> Topiary, it's called, Corey. It's obviously tickled, Corey. Or people that, people that can reshape them. Or there was the woman on Britain's Got Talent who repositioned sand on a light box to create a story. Do you remember that? She moved the sand around and it made pictures. It was amazing. She repositioned sand. Or ice sculptors. Anyone sculpt ice? Yeah? Who take a block of ice and a chainsaw and they carve it and they cut it and they fashion a shape from out of the ice, don't they? Or even like marble, when you think of David, you know, Michelangelo's David, it started as just a big lump of stone. And actually he has skillfully recreated something out of that shape. But however, and no matter how creative those people are, and no matter how creative anyone is in this room today, that is all we can do. We can repurpose something, yeah? We can reshape something. We can reposition something. We can recalibrate something. We can reconfigure something, or we can reform something, yeah? But actually, none of us can create something. None of us, not one person on this planet can create something out of nothing. Nobody. Which is why God is called Elohim, the creator. Ex nihilo, out of nothing. Out of nothing. He didn't repurpose and reshape. He created. Only God has the name creator. In fact, if you look in your Bible, the word create is never used for people. Never. It's only ever used for God because he's the only one who can do it. Out of nothing, he is the creator. And what should our response be to that this morning? No, we've sung it, haven't we? I stand in awe, you know? We've got, you know, Eric and Jackie. Awesome, yeah, okay. And there's a few other Americans in our midst this morning. But that word, you know, we use it lightly. I remember Josh Hardingham spoke when he was a young person on, at the old building. And he did a whole thing about that word, awesome. And how we misuse it. Because we'll go, someone's made you dinner. Awesome, you know. No, it's quite easy to make dinner to some extent. But actually, awesome is what God is. Awesome. Drop, mouth drop open, amazing. Chin on the floor, incredible. One person, but three in one. Incredible, amazing God. Our response to God should be awe and amazement at his mighty power, the strong one, Elohim, the creator, Elohim, the one who made it. Sadly, today and even in the early parts of the Bible, quite soon after chapter one, we see that people start to worship the creation rather than the creator. People start to worship the creation. You know, we can worship alongside creation. You know, the Bible talks about the, the hills and the trees clapping their hands. And it talks about the fact that how lovely on the mountains are the feet of him. We live in a beautiful part of the world, really, don't we? 
There's a lot of people, Steve's on the ball again this morning. Yes, we do. That's the right answer. We live in a beautiful part of the world. There are a lot of people who knock Barrow in Furnace. But actually, we're close to the sea. We're close to the beach. We're close to the lakes. People are queuing up to get into this area on Bank Holiday Monday. I know because I got stuck in it the other day. And yet we take it for granted. But we can look around us and go, wow, but we don't want to worship the creation. We don't want to stand there and go, I love that mountain. I'm going to bow down to it. We want it to point us. And creation's point was to point us to the creator. It would be a bit weird, wouldn't it? If that ice sculptor person stood there making his ice sculpture, I looked like a Jedi then, didn't I? <laughs> making his ice sculpture, and then we ignored him and went, wow, that's amazing, that's amazing. Instead of going, you are incredible. To be able to do that, that is amazing. Yet so often that's what we do. We take our eyes off the one who made it all and look at the stuff he made instead. The stuff he made is amazing, but it's designed for us to go wow to him, not wow to that. We can worship, but creation should not replace our adoration of the one who made it all. I told you a few weeks ago about the cigarette ashtray that I made in pottery at school, but a few of us probably did. And uh, it would be like my parents keeping the pot in a special place and chucking me out on the streets. You know, I mean, it wasn't that good. I have to say, but even if it was good, that would be wrong, wouldn't it? My mum and dad going, that pot is so amazing that you've made, that, that, that ashtray that we'll never use because we don't smoke, that, that, that thing that looks like an eyesore, let's put it on display in the best part of the house, but Johnny, you're out. It's having your room. It's silly, isn't it? But that's what we do to God. We put the creation and the things around us and the beauty of things in that special room and in that special place and we say, God, well, I'm not interested in you. I'm not interested in you, even though you made this and you did it for me and you made it to be very good. So next time you start thinking about creation, think about the creator, the one who made it, the one who says, that room has to be made for me. That room in your life has to be made for me. We can definitely see and experience God in his creation, but we must not let it replace the one who is over it all. We must not. Elohim. Some people's idea of God is as a great clockmaker. You might have heard this theory, that God built the clock, he wound it up and set it going, but then he just watches from a distance. Not involved at all. That's some people's idea of God. But the Bible doesn't say that. That theory is called deism. And it's where people believe that there is a God, there's something, they, they can't get their head around how this could all be by accident, so they've got to recognize there is a God. But all he did was made it and started going and left us to it. That's not a God to worship. That's quite cruel. People who believe in God but not the rest. Yet in the beginning... Elohim, God, Spirit, Son, Creator. Do you know, deism is like trying to sit on a stool that just has two legs. It's never going to work. Faith is about a trust in the one who made it all. We recently read Isaiah 65 when Jeff was speaking. Isaiah 65 verse 17 says this, See, I will create new heavens and a new earth, 
the former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. I will create new. So it starts with God creating the heavens and the earth. It starts with God making it all. And it finishes with God making it new. Create a new heaven. Not just reshaping and repurposing, but making it new. The Bible starts with Elohim and ends with Elohim. The God that is the creator. And he'll do it again for me and for you. The Bible also talks of warnings. We don't like the warnings, do we? We don't like the, the bits that sort of say you need to do this or else. But actually, it's only like a parent telling us. Joe, the Bible talks of warnings galore that in the end of things, before God comes and makes things new, that there'll be earthquakes, that there'll be floods, that there'll be famines, that there'll be pestilence or plagues, and that there'll be wars and rumors of wars. Sound familiar? The Bible said it when it wasn't happening. And yet we look around the world. Every day you can turn on your television and see wars, rumors of wars, famine, plagues, viruses. Families turning against each other. Or even in Revelation it talks about the sea becoming un uninhabitable. Does that sound familiar? What is the biggest thing that's on the news over the last few years? It's straws and plastic and waste filling up the sea so that the creatures can't live. The Bible says it. There's a warning. It says we're getting near the end. So you need to pay attention. God isn't doing it. To, he's just saying, wake up, wake up, wake up. Some of you have just woken up and not heard the other bit and thought, Johnny's seen me. <laughs> but the Bible's saying, wake up, wake up, wake up. It's happening and it won't be long. And I'm going to create new. Do we want this to be new yet? Do we want it to be new? Yeah, well, God says in the last days, but then there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Made good again. What's the word? By Elohim, the creator who is Father, Spirit, and Son. The Bible, through it all, God the Father, God the creator, he's done it before and can definitely do it again. So here's the question. How do we ensure that we're part of that new creation? How do we ensure that we don't get left behind? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, and the new is here. So there's a verse. We need to be in Christ because he, the Father and Spirit, were at the beginning and he gave it all for us. He sacrificed everything so that we could be brought back and made new. We become new creations ourselves. How? By trying harder, by concentrating more. No, in the hands of the creator God who can make it new. Not repurpose and reposition, but make it new. He can make us new. Elohim at the beginning, Elohim at the end, and today, Elohim in the middle of it all. God the creator, God the creator, God the creator. He wants to make you new. Ezekiel 36, verses 25 to 28, and I don't think I gave you this one, Corey, says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols, the things you've put in God's place. I will give you what? a new heart, new heart. 
I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. If you let him replace your heart with a new one, if you take away that hard and stony thing, Psalm 51 verse 10 says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Create it new. Make us new. Yeah? His name, Elohim, is all over the Bible, and it's all over history, and it's all over science as the one who has created something out of nothing. We just repurpose and reposition. He's the one who has changed people's lives. How? By creating a new life and a new heart. New hopes, new dreams. There are people in this room who know what that is to have a new heart that God has put there. Why? Because he isn't just God the creator and God the mighty, but he is the im that Jesus is in the Elohim. Jesus who died to create a way to get us back to God, the who and the why of it all. Our response, to worship in awe, to worship alongside. Today, you might be a Christian, you might have given your life to God, you might have said, yes, I recognize Jesus died for me, yes, I know that he sacrificed it for me, but you might have started getting that stony heart. You might start getting hard-hearted. You might start stopping things getting through to you. You might actually become quite bitter. You might have turned against, or you might have just gone cold towards who God is, particularly in the last 15 months. It's been hard. But it's been hard for all of us, every single one of us. But God says, I can create a new heart. I'll replace that stone with flesh. Our response today needs to be worship him in awe. Our response today needs to be to allow him to perform a bit of heart surgery. To take the stony, hard heart. That even if you've grown up in a situation, or even if you've given your life to Jesus before, maybe you need to start afresh and say, God, I need that, remove him. And it's not about pointing at somebody else and saying, yes, that's you. It's about looking at ourselves and saying, yes, that's me. Create in me a new heart. How? We allow God to speak his word into us because that's how creation worked. He spoke, it happened. Today, he can speak into your life and it can happen. Stop worshipping the stuff that we shouldn't. Allow his spirit to rest and move on us and accept his son as saviour. Elohim, the one who created and created a way back to him. Will we take it? Will we accept it? We have some uh, cards. I think I've got some somewhere. Don't know. I wasn't thinking about this before. Yeah. Sorry, Jake, I'm moving away from the camera. People online, you can cope. It's probably better to look at, in fairness. If you don't know really what it's all about, somebody last week said that they felt that there was something missing. And actually, this card pretty much sums up what the creator God did. He loved us, still loves us. We'd made mistakes. So he created a way by sending Jesus to die for our mistakes. And the question is, what are we going to do about it? If you want to take one of these at the end, I'll leave them on the, uh, on the music stand here. 
over there. You just come and take one. If there's none there when you get there, because hundreds of people have come and they want to be changed, brilliant. Just come and speak to me. But this morning, whether or not you've experienced God for the first time or never, or whether you've experienced God over the years, I think God is saying to us at the beginning of this new season, soften your heart. Better than softening your heart, replace. You go shopping for new wardrobe when your clothes have got a bit tatty and worn out. Today, I think God is saying, you can start anew. I can create new life. You just need to ask. Let's pray. Father God, I just pray this morning for your word. That we've just read Genesis chapter 1. It was your word that was powerful. And today as we read your word, we recognize in the beginning God. So Father God, today may this be a beginning for some people. May it be a new beginning for others. May this be a time and a day where we say no more. No more hardening my heart. No more, no more putting other stuff in, on the throne. May this be a day of a new beginning, of a fresh start. May it be a day where we say, God, I want that heart of flesh. I want that heart that beats for you. So Father God, I pray, Lord, that your word will have power. Not mine, but yours. Father God, I thank you that you made it and it was very good. And I thank you that you've promised that it will be made new again. And you've shown us the way that you created in Jesus Christ. Amen.